Are you a courageous person? Like, do, do you live your life with a lot of courage? I, I ask that not to call you out. Well, a little to call you out, but more just to lead to this reflection that I think the readings are leading us down. Right? Our Lord asks each of us, as he presents these heroic witnesses, he says, okay, what they had, do you have that? Might not be in the same degree, you don't have the same situation, but can you look at your life, look at your soul, and say, yeah, there's courage there. So it's a very important Christian virtue, but it's one we don't talk about that often. We tend to kind of reduce Christianity to just like, all right, we're the people that get along with everybody, and to be a Christian means that you're nice. So a follower of Christ is a doormat. That is what I'm calling you all to be. That's not what Christ has ever called any of you to be. He didn't say, um, uh, just uh, pick up your uh, like talking stick and we're all going to take our turn. No, he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, that doesn't mean we're combative. It doesn't mean that, that uh, we just go out there picking fights, but it means that we stand our ground. And we refuse to reject Christ when life gets hard. I ask the question about courage because I think in our minds we're a lot more courageous than we are in our actions. At least that's the case for me. Before becoming a pastor, I thought like, yeah, I'm a courageous dude. I'm just going to lead these people to heaven. And then a hard conversation comes and I'm like, ooh, maybe let's talk about this next year. Uh, it's tough because in our imaginations, we're so courageous. We read about the Maccabees, these seven brothers and uh, second Maccabees, and we think, yeah, if somebody tried to kill me over the faith, I would say, take my life. I won't reject Jesus. But in my lived reality, sometimes, even just for the sake of my reputation, I'll keep silent about Jesus. Even for the sake of avoiding a difficult conversation with a family member or a friend or even a stranger, I might, you know, kind of toe that line of rejecting Jesus. And so today the Lord wants us to ask that tough question, do I actually have courage? Do I live a courageous life? And if not, how do I get some? And as I mentioned, courage is not combativeness. Courage means I love something so much that I'm willing to risk everything for it. Not that I hate the the fallen world so much that I'm willing to fight everybody about it. No, 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 no. That's not courage. That's something else. No, courage is to say, I love Jesus so much and I rejoice in communion with him that I will not sacrifice that for anything. I will not reject him in any scenario Because I have something worth standing up for in Jesus. So how do we grow in courage? Well, first of all, we beg God for it. And that's what we're here for. Uh, We we come to Mass every Sunday, partially because the church tells us to. And we're like, okay, it's my obligation. I'll go. I'll check the box. But also because we come here as beggars and we say to the Lord, not here's my weekly check-in. I want to impress you with how good I've been. It's 
God, I'm drowning here. And unless you give me the graces, I'm not going to be able to do well here. And so I'm going to admit, first thing that I do is I'm going to say, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have lacked courage this week. And we can even think through the ways that we have lacked the courage and we come to the Lord and we say, I know I can't just manufacture this courage. I need you to give it to me as a grace. And so he gives it to us directly through the communion that we receive, through the blessing, through this time of prayer, through our presence. We already get that grace, but then we have to activate it in our actions, right? Then then we have to live it out. If it's not practiced, it dies. God can be giving me all the grace in the world, but if I given the the, the chance in my day-to-day life, don't exercise it, well, I'm not going to be able to grow in it. But we also grow by being inspired. Because every single episode in sacred scripture is supposed to teach us something. But also every single episode in our own lives is meant to teach us something. There's always this opportunity God gives us to learn. And so let's take that opportunity today. In reflecting on the seventh chapter of the book of 2 Maccabees, we read in the middle of this kind of gruesome scene even the king and his attendants marveled at the young man's courage because he regarded his sufferings as nothing. So here is a man with courage. So we look to him and we see how is God trying to teach me something? Through these seven brothers. One of the brothers speaking for the others said, What do you expect to achieve by questioning us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. What do we learn from this first quoted brother? We are willing to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. You know, St. Dominic Savio, he's one of these heroic saints. These heroes of the faith, saints of the church. You know, he never lived to adulthood. How many kids do we have here? If you're a kid, raise your hand. All of you can be saints in heaven. You all sometimes show us the way, just like St. Dominic Savio did. You can put your hands down now. All of you can show us what heroic virtue is. Because do you know what St. Dominic Savio used to say? When maybe friends would try to get him to to do the wrong thing. When he was tempted maybe to, to commit a sin. His mantra, the little thing that he said to himself was death before sin. He would say, I would rather die than commit a sin. Whoo, that is intense. But that's also Christianity. Christianity is to say, I have a God who loves me so much that he would rather die than to see me not in heaven. And being a Christian is to say, I love that God back so much that I would rather die than not be with him in heaven. And every sin is us saying, I choose this moment over an eternity. But what this first brother teaches us is that we need to be ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. For us, what does that mean? That means the laws laid down in sacred scripture, but then as interpreted by the church. The teachings of the church, they're not just there um, as optional. 
They're not just there for us as, oh, you know, maybe some of them are cool, but other ones I kind of don't like. And so I'm just not going to really study them because I, I don't want to have to change the way that I live. I'm super busy. I, I have my fantasy football team that I need to uh, compile, so I don't have time for the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It takes courage to study the law because you know that you might be convicted. There, there might be something that jumps out at you from the page and you realize, I've been doing that for like 40 years and God might be calling me to change that habit, to not behave in that way. It takes courage to leave that blissful state of ignorance and to say, I want to know right from wrong and I want to do the right and reject the wrong. But that's the courage the Lord wants to give you. So you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am one who would rather die than be without God forever. At the point of death, he said, you accursed fiend, you are depriving us of this present life. But the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. It is for his laws that we are dying. It's for his laws that we are dying. Do I love the teachings of the church the way that these heroic brothers loved the laws of the, of the Lord as laid down in the Mosaic law? It was, and then the next one. He put out his tongue at once and, told, and when told to do so, and bravely held out his hands as he spoke these noble words. It was from heaven that I received these. For the sake of his laws, I disdain them. From him, I hope to receive them again. Wow. What is he teaching us? The first brother, he taught us to love the law. To, to be able to have that mantra of St. Dominic Savio of death before sin. Of in the moment of temptation being able to look the tempter in the face and say, you're not tricking me into forfeiting eternity for a moment's pleasure. No, no, no. Death before sin. What is this second brother teaching us? All I am and all I have is his. I'm going to reject the delusion that anything I have is actually mine. Because I've mentioned this before. None of us were sitting there before we existed saying, put me in, coach. I've earned my existence. I can do this. I can make you proud. No, we had no choice in the matter. God gave us existence freely. He gave us all that we are and all that we have. We might say, no, 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 I've developed these talents. Who gave you the work ethic? Who gave you the time on this earth? Who gave you the raw material to develop yourself into the person that you are today? Who guided you through that process? Who put you in a family structure that, that, that helped you to grow to this place? You might say, no, 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 Father, you don't understand. My family, I had it hard. Who got you through that and formed you through it? All that I am and all that I have is a pure gift from Jesus Christ. Do I treat it that way? All of this is on loan. I'm borrowing it from God Almighty. Woe is me if I treat it as my own. And so, if it's between all of this stuff that's already God's and my allegiance to God himself, I need to be able to say, take my life, take my stuff, take whatever. Because it's already God's. And he'll give it back to me hundredfold in eternity. Then the fourth brother. When he was near death, he said, It is my choice to die at the hands of men with the hope God gives of being raised up by him. But for you, there will be no resurrection to life. 
What is he teaching us? We've learned death before sin in the face of temptation. We've learned all that we are and all that we have is just on loan from God. Here, we learn that our choice is respected for all eternity. It's not automatic. It's not that as long as I'm not an axe murderer, I'm going to be in heaven forever. No, God respects my choice. If I spend my entire life saying, God, I want nothing to do with you, he will say, I'm not going to force myself on you for all eternity. Every one of my moral choices can lead me to heaven or to hell. All of them, it's this watershed. I'm on this thin line of I can... Moral choices, not any choice. It's not like, oh, if you choose cookies and cream over cookie dough, uh, you might be going burning in hellfire. No. <laughs> Even though the clear answer to that is put them together and get Bluebell's Cookie Two-Step, which is the best ice cream in the world. <laughs> but every moral decision that I make brings me closer to God's invitation of heaven or to rejecting that invitation and saying, I want nothing to do with you for all eternity. Now, of course, he knows the heart, so we can't judge someone else. It might seem like someone else is rejecting him. We don't know that heart. We don't know how in the heart they might be reaching out for him. But we know our hearts. And we know how sometimes we can forfeit an eternity for a moment. So, what do we do? Well, we ask for the grace of courage. For that courage to be able to do the hard thing with a generous heart for God. And the hard thing might be different for all of us. Right? For some people here, it might be the hard thing is to reach out to that estranged family member. You've been fighting for decades. And really, it should be him that takes the first step. Because he was the one that ruined the relationship. Or it should be her that says sorry. Because she was the one that hurt me. But if I am holding on to hatred in my heart, then I need the courage to pray for that person, to pray for release in my heart, for that interior forgiveness. I need to pray also to say, God, is this courage to go a step further and to express that forgiveness to this person, to try and work toward reconciliation? Sometimes it's possible this side of heaven, other times it isn't. But if we don't have courage, we'll never even ask that question. The courage might be to start learning my faith with an open mind, realizing there might be things I have to change. But I need to start loving this law like these seven brothers did. The courage might be to have a hard conversation with someone. Maybe you love and respect them, but they're making some choices that are hurting others or hurting themselves. And you might have to say, listen, how are you doing? What's going on? The courage might be in a moment when somebody is coming to you for help instead of just giving them these platitudes and, oh, well, it'll get better, or what can I do? Going that step further and realizing I can do nothing, but I, I kind of have a hotline to the God of all heaven and earth, and so can I pray with you right now? That takes courage sometimes. It takes courage to ask someone, how's your prayer life? How's your connection to Jesus? Do, do you know him? That takes courage takes courage to call the person that maybe you haven't seen in church for six months and to be able to say to them, I, I haven't seen you and, and I'm not judging you. I have no idea what's going on, but that's why I'm calling. Like, what's going on? How, how can I help you? How, how can I journey with you? You notice that in all of those examples, courage was rooted in love. 
It wasn't this combativeness. It wasn't just going onto the internet and being that culture warrior and, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong in this argument. That doesn't save a soul. Courage rooted in love, that's what converts. Every decision can bring us closer to heaven or closer to hell. If we have courage rooted in love, we can choose wisely. Now, choose wisely. That's probably something that's been ringing in your head over the past few weeks, right? Already early voting this week, the, the big midterm elections, and you might be thinking like, yeah, okay, he's going there. Yes, I am, <laughs> in fact. Because in the tiny decisions of our everyday, in the big decisions of the path our life will take, and in the decisions regarding our civic duty... We're choosing for heaven or not. Now, it's not to say, oh, one political party will get you to heaven and the other one won't. No. There's, all of us are imperfect, and that imperfection permeates every human institution, right? The church included. But have I had the courage to invite Jesus into my discernment process? To say to him, instead of just going on autopilot of, oh, what has my family always voted this? Yeah, I'm not even going to think about it. No, have I had the courage to say, God, what does this person stand for? And does does my church, my faith stand for that as well? Do do I stand for that? It's always going to be a mixed bag, right? There is no perfect candidate out there. But unless we actually go and look at it issue by issue, we're... We're never going to be making a good choice there. So what does the church say is the preeminent priority? Well, it kind of, it's commonsensical, right? Before we talk about the, the, uh, the, the roads being fixed or um, even things as important as the economy or as important as uh, education and things like that, all of that's important. But maybe the first thing is let's stop killing innocent people. Maybe we can start there. Like maybe before we get to um, uh, helping out with some other uh, aspects of a person's life, maybe let's make sure nobody can legally be dismembered. That that might be a good place to start. And there, that, that is in fact what the church asks us to do. To look at the most important issues, not in a vacuum, look at all of them, but then see who is moving, trying to hurdle us in a direction of making the innocent more vulnerable or less. Because there's never going to be a perfect candidate. We would love if Jesus Christ were on the ballot. That would be so simple. We would just be able to say, yes, Jesus Christ, absolutely, I want him to rule at every level of government, Jesus Christ. He's not on the ballot. So we can't say, I choose Jesus. It's always going to be, which is the lesser of many evils? We can't choose Jesus, but unfortunately we can choose Barabbas. In the only election that I can think of in the Gospels, people got it wrong. They chose Barabbas. They they chose the worst one out of all of the options. That's what our duty here is to do enough of the studying, to not just go on autopilot, but to make sure that we're not choosing the worst of the bad options. But that we can go for whoever helps us to do our duty of protecting the most vulnerable. So that's the little aside 
for one particular kind of choice. But as a final thing, because I'm not going to end on that note, what helps us to have courage, not only there in our voting, but more than anything in our day-to-day? Because voting doesn't define you. That's one day out of the year. No, in your day-to-day decisions that will lead you to heaven or to hell, what is it that gives you courage to stand up for Christ, to love him more than you love your reputation, more than you love even your very flesh and bones? Ultimately, it's heaven. What was it that these uh, seven brothers were looking forward to? Heaven. What was it that made their mother the most courageous mother in all of sacred scripture other than Mary? She cared less about their comfort in the here and now and more about their eternal destination. She had to watch her children suffer. And she could have told them, you know what? God will understand if you just compromise here. Instead, she said, no compromise. I didn't raise you like that. I raised you not for this earth, but for heaven. And so make that courageous choice. But it was only because she had her sights set on heaven She taught her sons to have their sights set on heaven. And heaven is what brought them to this great courage. Heaven is what engenders courage within our hearts and minds. Because if we think of heaven, we will be able to have the courage to forsake earth. Now what do I mean? I don't mean earth is bad. This life is glorious. I thank God for it all the time. But this life extended forever would be torture. That would be hell. Because here there are aches and pains. Here there are misunderstandings. Here there's suffering and fear and worry. Here people tell me that I'm going to get one extra hour of sleep today, but then I don't sleep a wink last night. Right? This earth, this life is imperfect. Heaven is of a totally different order. That's what Jesus was showing us in the gospel. When he said... The Sadducees were trying to trip him up. They were trying to uh, uh, give him this trap of saying, well, if a woman was married to seven different men over the course of her life in heaven, who's she going to be married to? They assumed heaven was just like here, but maybe like a little bit nicer. Whereas God shows them, no, 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 heaven is something worth yearning for because it is complete and total vulnerability and love. This, this uh, incredible trust that you can have with every other member of the communion of saints. All of your ancestors, you get to know them intimately. You get to uh, be able to live all of their lives. You get to be able to explore the infinite God who is a greater adventure than all of the universe. That's something worth longing for. But if we never think about it, daydream for it, then we're never going to long for it. And it's in that space between thinking about heaven and longing for it in our hearts, that is where courage grows. The courage to be able to say, I choose that over any sin. I choose that over any one moment here on earth. Because I wasn't made for an eternity here on earth. I was made for an eternity with heaven. Or an eternity in heaven with God. And it is to that God that we turn. And I make my prayer for you the prayer that St. Paul had for the Thessalonians when he said, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and good hope through his grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good deed and word. And to that God may we have give all glory and honor forever and ever. Amen.